Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. That's just, uh, that's life, isn't it? Everything's working fine, everything's hunky-dory, you're good for the year, and then life happens, something happens, and we need to deal with it. And I don't know about you, maybe you're still good for 2022, maybe nothing as bad has happened yet, let's praise God for that. Maybe something bad has happened yet, maybe you've gotten a a punch in the stomach, and uh, you thought it's going to be amazing, and it's not so amazing. Um, I mean, life happens, we thought we're going to have... I mean, I look weird at people with masks when you saw a few here and there. Like, what's wrong with you? Why do you wear a mask? And that was two years ago. And, uh, and now, obviously, um, it's, uh, it's become part of what we do. But anyways, life happens and we need to react. And um, we really shouldn't react in, according to our circumstances because if we're going to react according to circumstances, then probably this year won't be your best year. But... If we're going to react according to who we are, according to our identity, according to what God has given us, what He's done, not what the world is doing, then this can be your best year ever. And what we want to speak about today is how to give 2022 your best shot, how to give it your best shot, how to make the most of it. And that's really setting yourselves up for victory, setting yourself up for a victorious 2022. And if I've learned one thing in the last uh, two years or so, like uh, in terms of COVID, is we cannot wait for the world to become better. We cannot wait for things to change before we start living. Because guess what? It might never be the same again. But we should... I'm not prophesying that. I'm just saying. I want it to be different. I want it to be better. I want it to be less pressure. And I want to to give hugs. I'm a hugger. I want to live life to the full. I want to, to enjoy things. I don't want division and fear and all those things. But guess what? Life happens. And we have to give it our best shot. And really... What I want to share with you this morning, I believe, is really a word from God. Some mornings I just wake up and I just have this as clear as daylight what to speak on. And today is one of those days. I didn't wake up with it this morning. Uh, this morning I woke up with next week's message. So you're ready for that. Um, I was standing here, Lord, I'm sure this is for today. But <laughs> why did you give me another download? And I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that's for next week. So that's going to be awesome. But you know what? Success always carries a price. Everything in life has a cost. What you say yes to means you say no to a bunch of other things. You said yes to coming here this morning, so you're not on the golf course, you're not in the swimming pool, you're not at the beach, you're not riding your bike. Praise God, it's too hot for that. But uh, you, you said yes to being here this morning, so you, in fact you said no to another, a lot of other things. Now everything carries a price, everything has a cost, whether personal, professional, or in life. Now the same is true if you want 2022 to be a great year. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. You're going to have to give it something. You're going to have to give up something, maybe. Now, the interesting thing is, Natasha and I spoke about it in the week. And this is one of those years where it seems like fewer people are excited about the new year. You listen to the radio. You look at things around the world. People are not as excited. It's not just fireworks and parties. And people are not so excited about the new year as they used to be. And you know what? The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. You see, we don't have to work in years, but it helps. It helps to work in seasons and start over. We like that. But with God, you don't get a second chance, you know. You always get another chance. God's not a God of second chances. God is a God of another chance. Because He said 70 times 70. That's how many times you must forgive. And it's not a number. Don't go do the math. It's just 
complete forgiveness. That's what it is. Every time you ask forgiveness, he says, but I've already done it. Every time you say sorry, he says, I know you are. <laughs> but it's fine. So fewer people are excited. Maybe that's how you feel. Just another year. Another year of uncertainty. Another year of COVID. Another year of the same. Another year of unhappiness, maybe. Maybe your family. Maybe it's worse off your family situation than what it was in uh, November. Because guess what? Decembers are not always easy. Because we get to slow down. We get to realize what's really going on. We come to the end of ourselves sometimes. We're tired. The family is under pressure. But as Christians, we have the opportunity. No, it's not an opportunity. Let's say it's the power. Say power. power. You carry the power to make 2022 your best year yet. It's not up to God. It's not up to God to make this year great. Before Christmas, the Christmas service, I felt God say, Christmas service is going to be as good as you want it. I'm like, I want it awesome. He says, but then it will be awesome. And it was awesome. It was really awesome. We had lots of fun. This year is going to be as good as you want it. Because if you're going to get distracted by circumstances, then it's going to be bad. It's going to be blah. It's going to be dull. I'm not saying bad things won't happen. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. In this world you will have tribulation. But I have overcome. One of the translations says, be of good cheer. When? When things go bad. James writes about that. He learned something from his brother Jesus. And it says, take heart. Be happy. Count it joy. When you fall into temptations and distractions and difficulties. What's wrong with you? I want to be on the beach. And I want to be in, in Zanzibar. And I want to be in different places. Because then I can, can make it happy. Some people just spend a lot of time in Zanzibar. Amen? <laughs> maybe I'm jealous. Maybe I'm prophesying. <laughs> But guess what? You have to come back from Zanzibar. And life goes on. You have to come back from holiday, back from family, back from where you were. So, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you, first of all, a decision. It's going to cost you making a decision and saying, this year is going to be awesome no matter what. This year is going to be great. This year is going to be different. Maybe you've already given up or, or slipped up, let's say that, on some of your New Year's resolutions. They say, I think 95% of people make New Year's resolutions. 63% fail them by the 14th of, 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 of January. I don't know what your New Year's resolution is. If it's come to church more, well done, you're here. Next week is the big one, huh? <laughs> it's, the, it's the 16th. It's past the 14th, and we'll see. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you making a decision. And one of those decisions is, I'm not going to let the world determine my happiness. I'm not going to let the state of the world determine my happiness. I'm not going to let the things of this world distract me. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5 from the Passion says, They exceeded our expectations by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. This is one of the verses that came up in one of our recent prayer meetings. The King James says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So Paul writes here to the church in Corinth, and he says, this happened, and it exceeded our expectations. These bunch of people, they gave themselves fully to the Lord. You want to grow in your relationship with God? You're going to have to do it fully. You're going to have to be all in, pens and pointies, all in. Boots and all for the English people. I like pens and pointies. Eh? That sort of sounds like pointies or something. They exceeded our expectations. Why? Naturally, this doesn't make sense. 
to the normal person, the natural person, you coming to church every Sunday doesn't make sense. Why would you? Oh, and then you go to life group on a Wednesday and you do this on a Friday morning. Why? What's wrong with you? Don't you have enough? Don't you have a Bible at home? Well, we give ourselves fully to the Lord and then to His church. And then we grow. Because iron sharpens iron. It's easy to sit on your phone, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, whatever, and you think you're so connected. But then you're going to get offended so quickly if you come into real life. Because iron sharpens iron. That's where people meet. That's where things go wrong that we get to, to do life together. So first of all, what's it going to cost you to make this year great? It's going to cost you to give yourself fully to the Lord. That's how you get saved. You don't give your heart. Actually, you're it up. You just stop trying. That's how I got saved. I gave my heart to God many times. That didn't do anything for me. But I gave up once and said, Lord, I'm done. I tried and I tried and I tried and I'm not going anywhere good. I want to make a U-turn, Lord, and I need you to come and do it. I said at the end of last year, God is not the one in the passenger, God is not the one in the driving seat. There's a horrible song that says, Jesus, take the wheel. He's not going to take the wheel. Sorry. He's going to tell you where to turn. Life and death. I'll put in front of you. Choose life. He is like the rally car driver. You are the driver. He is the, the navigator. He's sitting next to you. He's word. Say, go left. Turn right. There's a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. But you walk in it. You decide. You turn. You go for it. You choose. He says, this is how you make it great. You give yourself fully to the Lord. He's not going to take you fully. You give yourself fully. You see, God is a gentleman. He's not going to force anything on you. He's not even forcing Jesus on you. As awesome as that is, He's not force-feeding you. I remember it was a carte blanche episode years back where they had these, uh, these ducks and they would put a pipe down their throat and they would force-feed them to get this some fancy French word. There you go. Thanks, Monique. I won't even try and repeat that. <laughs> Jesus is not like that. He's not going to put a pipe down your throat and say, now feast on the word and now sing and now do this. He's not a puppeteer. He's a father. And I was reading Hebrews 1 this morning, um, early morning, and, and, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It says, this is the name above all names in verse 4. He gave him a name above angels. And then we think, oh, the name is Jesus. And we claim Jesus and we pray in the name of Jesus. No, that's not the name above all names. It says the name above all names is beloved son. That's amazing. Beloved son. That's the name above all names. Hebrews 4, 1 and verse 4. You can go read it up. Verse 5 and 6. Then he goes on and the writer of Hebrews makes his point by now quoting Old Testament verses that prophesied about sonship. It's amazing. The name above all names is beloved son. What did God do when Jesus got baptized? He didn't say, this is my son, Jesus. He even told what, that they were prophesied Emmanuel. We don't call him Emmanuel. We call him Yeshua. We call him Jesus. So God with us, Emmanuel, is no longer there. There's no God in us. He came and he walked the earth as Emmanuel. He died. And he was risen again as Yeshua, the one who saves, but as son. Because the word says he is the firstborn among many brethren, Hebrew, uh, Romans 8. You see, you need to know your Bible. And God's not going to force you to get to know your Bible. Did you know that? 
Sorry. It's not the matrix where you press a button and now you know jujitsu or something. Life doesn't work like that. It's the matrix in that there is a world going on around us which is not the real true reality. It's distraction. Because Jesus speaks in John 16 and he says, I cannot tell you everything that I want to tell you right now. Oh, we're going to speak on that this year. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was not yet given. I cannot tell you, I cannot share with you the reality, the truth. And then he says, he goes on and he says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, the helper, the comforter, when he comes, he's going to lead you, he's going to guide you. But you need to follow. He's going to show you the way, walk in it. Invite you to that way. He's going to show you the way and He's going to show you the true reality. He's going to show you how things really are. And you know how things really are? The name above all names includes everything who God is. And then 1 John 3 and verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. We are no longer just living with the Son of God. Yes, we are. But we now identify with the name, the identity, above all names. I don't know about you, but I'm getting goosebumps and it's not just the income. You identify with all who God is. The name above every name. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. The God my provider. Jehovah Rapha, the healer. All those names, all who God is, is now complete. Because Colossians 2, and we looked at that at length last year, is that there is a completion in Christ. And then verse 10 and 11 says, and now you are complete in Him. So what I'm telling you with you this morning is, this can be your best year ever. If you do a few things. Actually, if you acknowledge and accept a few things. It's not about doing. Because works and grace oppose each other. We are not in, in works, we're in grace. What are those things? It's accepting the completion of who Christ is and that you are now not just praying for and through the Son of God, but that you and I can now be sons of God. The name above all name. Ladies, that's for you too, because a son is the heir, it's the one who carries the purposes, the plans. The, the, the destiny, the identity of the Father. And that's who we are. So it's going to have to accept that. It's going to have, it's going to ask you to, to give up some things that's distracting to you. It's going to ask you to give yourself fully to God and to His family. And if you do those things, this year is going to be amazing. We'll look at it, some practical um, applications of that. But for us to have the best year yet, you have to give yourself, give of yourself, give all of yourself fully to God, to His church. This might mean that some of your goals and plans are going to have to change. There's a few things that I'm wanting to do and I'm like praying through it and the more I pray through it, the more I think like, ah, I'm probably not going to do it this year. Because it's going to take time away from my family. It's going to take time away from church. It's going to take time away from what God has for me. It's good things, but maybe it's not God things. It might mean that you have to surrender some of your dreams. If it's not godly dreams. Oh, you guess, you're just looking more and more happy as this message continues. 
You can take this. Again, this is an invitation. You can have the best year yet, or you can just have another year. What is love? Jesus' definition. That you lay down your life for another. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us first. How did He prove it? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for us. This is love, that we lay down our lives, that we maybe put down some of our dreams. Why? Because that's humility. Because God's plans are better than our plans. Who agrees with me? You get good plans, you get God plans. You get good stuff and you get, you get worldly stuff. But the invitation is then that we humble ourselves. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that you may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. You see, God is not a communist. If God was a communist, then He would force you to humble yourself, to submit. And if you didn't, there will be torture and there will be different things like that. But He is inviting you into a kingdom reality where His Son reigns and we are co-heirs with Him. But it's going to, it's going to have, it's going to, He's asking us just to, to submit to that kingdom reality. To a higher power who he is because he wants to give grace and he gives it to the humble and he wants to exalt us yes but in due time when the time is right when the time is ready there's a proverb that stays with me and it says he who is hasty to be rich will not be innocent he who is hasty to be rich will not be innocent. If you are going to compare yourself with the Joneses and you've got this pressure to perform, you're going to take shortcuts somewhere. And it will catch up on you. And I don't want that to happen to anyone. There's time, there's seed, time and harvest. There's the kingdom principles that we can adhere to. Humility, what is that? First of all, it's stop worrying. Stop worrying. He says the example of humility is casting your cares upon Him. You see, if we worry, then we think we are God subconsciously. If you worry, you're actually idolizing yourself. Because you think you have to sort it out. But if you give your worries to God, He loves it because now you are exalting Him as God. You say, God, I cannot solve this. You are God. You solve it. If you're a parent, you don't want your children to try and fix everything. You want them to come to you with their problems so you can help fix it. Doesn't that make your heart beat? Now, why would God be different if He's a father? Cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. So humility means to stop worrying. Listen to verse 6 and 7 from the Passion. It says, If you bow low, bow low in God's awesome presence, He will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in His hands. Leave the timing in His hands. Pour out all your worries and stress upon Him and leave them there. <laughs> That's what we do. We get to burn out and we throw it all on God and then we feel better after a few holiday weeks and we pick it back up again. God says, what are you doing? Leave your trailer. Leave your luggage. Leave your baggage. Leave your past. Leave your cares. Leave your anxiety. Leave your worries and your stresses. Leave it with me. 
Humble yourselves. Let me, let God be God. Pour out all your worries and stress upon Him and leave them there, for He always tenderly cares for you. Humility is then stopping worrying, but it's also putting others first. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. There's another punch. Another wake up. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. We live in a world where people don't even esteem others. They don't even consider others, what other translations puts it. Never mind not putting yourself above them. The invitation here for us church is to say, hey, I'm going to give myself fully to God, yes, but also to His people. And that's not those who are nice to me. I'm going to open my home to God, yes, but also to His people. The difficult ones. I'm going to be a godly man or woman. We're going to have a godly family. We're going to have an open house. You see, one of the things for elders is hospitality. And in our Western culture, we think it is just having nice food and candles. Yes, it includes that. And when you have people over, do some effort. But it means having your house open, sharing your life with others, having your house open, your life, inviting people into your family. And it takes effort. It takes, it's not easy. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. You know what Jesus said, quoted in Acts, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I wasn't speaking about money. It's easy to give money. We need your money, of course we do. We had 29 people we could bless, families who would not have had meat at their Christmas table. We were able to buy groceries and share things and... It's awesome because that's church. That's what we are. That's who we are. We need to pay rent. We need to do different things. But we want you more than your money. We want you to partake. We want you to become a part of. We want you to be here. Why? Not because we need to fill seats and we want to post reports. Nothing like that. Because we want you to grow. We want you to have the best year yet. We want you to give it your best shot and we know that as the family together, we can do it. I'm listening to a podcast in the week and the guy says, in our modern culture, we hear the word family, we think about four to six people. Maybe you add your parents or something, maybe like 10. It says, in the 1700s, people said family, it was between 25 and say 35 people. So what happens in our modern culture where we are so divided is something bad happens. Someone loses a job. Someone falls pregnant. Something happens that's not planned and there's no safety net. In the 1700s, something bad happened that is just absorbed in the family. But we have church. We have the family of God. That is our safety net. That's where we belong. Maybe one day you pray for someone. Maybe next week you come and you need prayer. And that's fine. That's family. One day you get up and you're ready. You're going for it. Another day you're not so good. But come still, because this is family. This is where we, the people of God. This is what it's all about. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also those of others. The Passion says, Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. You see, when I, I purposefully put the sign up, give it, 
and give it your best shot. But it's actually when I woke up with what God wanted me to share was give it. Give yourself. Give yourself. Give up your prideful opinions. Become humble. Give up your pride. Become part of. Give up your plans. Because that is the only way we're going to have a great year. For they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. But in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of our own interests. This is not the law of Moses, by the way. This is Philippians. This is Mr. Grace Man, Paul. And why is he writing this? Because he loves us. Because this is the way, contrary to the world, but this is how you have the best year, is you don't live for yourself. You live for more than yourself. What do people say? If your dreams don't scare you, they're not godly. I don't agree with that. Because your dreams don't need to scare you to operate in faith, because faith and fear are opposites. If your dreams don't require faith, then it's not from God. But faith doesn't work by fear. Faith works by love. I have big dreams. I want to change Stellenbosch and different areas. We're already dreaming about different areas around, and we have people there. I'm not fearful, but I need faith. We have to change things up this year. We have to do things different. Our team looks different, but I'm not fearful. Because I'm taking it to God. I said, God, if you, if you move people, then you've got a plan. And I'm part of that plan. And you've got good plans. We know that. So I'm looking forward to the manifestation of God's good plan. But I need to be open-eared to see, God, what is your plan? Not my plan. Not a business plan. But a family plan. Because this is not a business. This is a church. This is family. Amen? And you know what? Where do we find His plan? We find it in the Word. And that's what I'm giving you this morning. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of our own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the Anointed One, has set before us. Let His mindset become your motivation. That's beautiful. He's not expecting anything of us that He didn't do Himself. He became humble. He became lonely. He gave up the riches of heaven to become a servant. And He didn't come to be served but to serve. So his mindset now becomes our motivation. Maybe you're living an unfulfilled life. Maybe 2021 was horrible. And I'm asking you this morning, did you apply the things I'm inviting you to this morning? If you didn't, why have another horrible year? Why not change things up a bit? Why not go according to God's word? The question then I have for you is, who will you be discipling this year? We're a discipling church. We want to reach out. We say unconditional love. But how will people know about it? I was driving here this morning and thinking about the good news that is just too good to keep for ourselves. I'm like, Lord, why am I so excited to come to church? And I remembered the good news is too good to keep for myself. And that's the day I remember at Rhenish when we were still there in 2012. We had a good news conference and I was a door usher. And I was standing at the back and I was ushering people in, welcoming people. I was nobody. But I was happy to be there. And I was out of my seat because I heard the good news. I heard the gospel. I heard it undiluted. And I was like, this is too good. The world does not know this. And I made a conscious decision that I'm going to give my life to share the gospel with the world. 
It wasn't easy because I counted the cost and I knew the implication. But I went through with it. And here I am, 10 years later, almost. And I'm excited as ever, more, more so, because the gospel is still good news. It still works. It's still God's plan. His plan doesn't change. It's evangelism. It's discipleship. It's family. It's outreach. It's opening our homes. It's sharing the gospel. So who are you going to be discipling this year? And who are you going to let disciple you? You see, the word is clear where Jesus, uh, where Paul writes, it says, follow me as I follow Christ. I am discipled, so now let me disciple you. And that's the beauty of Grace Life. It's seven campuses. What you see here is only a small part. Yesterday we had our campus pastor meeting where we're just online together praying for an hour, praying for each other, praying for the church, the service, the campuses, the year. Tuesday night we're going to do the same. I get words from Shane over the holiday. This is for you and for Stanmore. I'm not sharing even that with you because I'm still meditating on it. It's awesome words of prophecy. It's scriptures of hope. We're not just by ourselves and we're going to make it work. No, we together as a family. We're sending people off to different places. Why? Because we are family. But how, how does that happen? Discipleship. And discipleship really is submission. Humble yourselves under God's plan. Be discipled and disciple others. Be taught and teach others. The word says clearly in Timothy, teach others who are, teach those who are able to teach others also. Who did um, School of the Believer end of last year? See a few hands. One of the things that stayed with me is if you need to feed a village, would you either take two elephants or two rabbits to feed a village for the foreseeable future? Two elephants or two rabbits? It's actually two rabbits. And Shane did some math there, and it's crazy. And he worked out the tonnage of meat over a certain period of time and how long it takes for a baby elephant to become mature and, and, and all of that. But that's God's plan, really, is discipleship. It's not more mega churches. It's discipleship. It's one-on-one-on-one-on-one. On one, on one, on one. It's home groups. It's these different things. So how do we make 2020 our best year yet? We humble ourselves under God's plan, and we go for what? Discipleship and evangelism. We know that Jesus is with us. They did tell me that they would leave, so they're not offended. <laughs> I know my heart's at peace. I just want to put your heart at peace. They're awesome. So Luke 2, 41 says, His parents went to Jerusalem. So it's amazing. Luke 2 and Luke 24, something that I saw there for the first time, is so amazing. Is, and, and, and it speaks about us. It speaks about our time. It speaks about how we see God. In Luke 2, they don't know who they're missing. His parents think Jesus is with them, but he isn't. And how many people live like that? They think they're Christians, but they're not really Christians. That was me. For years, I thought I was a Christian, but I wasn't really. I thought Jesus was with me, but he wasn't. So they're going all the way back to Jerusalem. From Jerusalem, they're going back home. And after three days, they realize, well, Jesus maybe isn't really here. And they start looking, and then where do they find him? They find him in the temple. And he says to them, don't you think that I would be about my father's business? I love that. If people look for you this year, where are they going to find you? On the road somewhere traveling? Or are they going to find you about God's business, your father's business? You want to be a son. We were all like, ooh, that's the name of our names. I'm in. But if we're sons, then we need to be about our father's business. 
We don't need to be. We get to be. See, I must be very careful how I say things because I know God is a God of peace and grace and love and I know this is what I'm sharing today is an invitation. But you might not receive it as such and you might think this is legalistic and it's not. This is keys that's going to help you have a great year. So first of all, we don't need to suppose that Jesus is about us. We need to know that we're about Him, that we're with Him. Relationship with Jesus isn't built on supposing. It is built on the foundation of knowing. I'm going to show you that again. Relationship with Jesus isn't built on supposing, but it is built on the foundation of knowing. Knowing that He is with you. His mother and His father supposed, the word says, that He was with them in the group. But they didn't know it. You know. When are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? You would know if you are. We did outreach, and we'll probably do it again soon, in the evenings on Sundays, end of last year, for two months. It was the day that Max Verstappen won the Formula One World Championship. I remember it very clearly. And I'll show you with you why. If you watched it, I mean, it was very controversial. I'll say that, but I'm not speaking about Formula One today. But what I learned from him is never stop. Never stop. It's not over until it's over. They kept on changing wheel, doing things, and miraculously things worked out, and they won. And I stood that afternoon. I went from the Formula One, and I went to, um, we went outreach. And I was standing in front of the Inge Church on the top of Carrick Street. And uh, Kunrat and I were ministering to a guy. And we didn't realize it, but it took us more than an hour. Sumi and the team came to us afterwards. It's like, you know, you just spent an hour with that guy. I'm like, no. But as I stood there, this guy realized the gravity of the decision that he is faced with. And looking at him, full of scars, like bandages, living on the streets, I realized, and I shared this with him, this might be a life and death decision. Because you're probably going to get kicked out from where you are. But I said to him, I fear that you're going to die and be without Jesus for eternity. The point that I make is this. Many times I stood there and I was like, this guy's not going to do it. We can just go on. And then I thought about the Formula One. And I was like, never. It's not over until it's over. It's not over until it's over. And we stood there for more than an hour. And he is now a brother in Christ. Is that too much to ask? I don't even know what I was getting at. How many minutes, hours? It's not about what I gave. It's about what we experienced. It's about inviting that one person into the family. It's about him saying yes to Jesus. If he said no, was it a waste of time? Not my decision. If God tells you to do something, it's not the success is not in how it works out. That's human mindset. The success is in saying yes, because God is pleased with faith. Not with success. I'm dropping a few truth bombs this morning. Which will bless you. God is pleased with faith. Faith pleases God. Not success. Thank you Jesus. Because there's many things that I'm not as successful as I wanted to be yet. But I'm stepping out in faith more and more. And that is what pleases God. So we stood there for more than an hour. We tried everything. 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 All the training we've had. And you know what? If we didn't have the training for years on end, 
that person would not have been saved. So every time you do training, every time you come to church, every time we invite you to outreach, every time we go on the streets, all of that forms us. It, it, it shapes us. And I can't say how many hours came together in that moment. And I mean, I had no idea how to go further. Then Kunrod would share something. And then I can see Kunrod doesn't know where to go. And then I would feel the Holy Spirit say something. And we were just ministering together. And that's the beauty. Because in Luke 10, Jesus sends them out two by two. Because there's a boldness. There's a unity. We are never alone. We always have the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you can go by yourself. And you are two by two. But I don't know about you. Sometimes I just need a... A brother or a sister next to me. And we want to do that this year. We want, to, we want to be formed on the foundation of knowing that He is with us. We want to know that Jesus is. Not just, we want to not just suppose. So, that's Luke 2. It's the beginning of the story of Jesus, basically. Now, that's the first part. People suppose they know Jesus, but, or that, that Jesus is with them, but He isn't. Then at Luke 24... Something happens there as well. And that's after the cross, after the resurrection. So firstly, people don't know what they're missing out on. And then we have these Jesus people not being aware of who was with them. See, there's two things that we miss out on that this, this, this message in Luke gives us. The first thing is we do not know who's not with us if we're not saved. Okay? We think we're Christian, but we are not. Then we become Christian, we receive Christ, He never leaves us, never forsakes us, He's always with us, but we don't know what that means. Because on the road to Emmaus, these guys, three of us and another, they, they, are, they are distraught, they are downtrodden, says the English. It's the closest word to depressed that we get in the Bible. Because I'm always asking God, God, there's so much depression, how do we deal with depression if it's not in your word? And then I came to this, this is distraught, it's depressed, it's distressed, it's downtrodden, it's without hope. Now look at verse 13, Luke 24. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. You can work it out. Seven miles is 1.4 kilometers. So it's quite a bit of a walk. And they talked together all of these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you have walked and are sad? Now, what we think is we think God constrained their eyes. But that's not true. Not what the Bible says. Their eyes were restrained because they were not expecting to encounter Jesus because in their heart belief, he was dead. They were downtrodden. They were depressed. If you're downtrodden and depressed, you're not expecting a good year, are you? So you're not seeing what God is seeing for your year. You're not seeing what Jesus is seeing, what He's inviting you to. Verse 18. Then one, the, those, um, the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened in these days? Peter, how can we have a great year? It's still COVID. It's still this. It's still that. Have you seen the economy and this and that? I don't care. I don't care about the things. Everything that people are speaking about. You see, we can only focus on one thing at a time. That's focus. The word focus is, is singular. You know the word priority. You, can't have, you cannot have a priority list. By default, it's wrong. It's incorrect because priority means one. So you can't have a list of priorities. You can focus on one thing and then you can focus on the next thing and the next thing. And that's what we call a priority list. 
But inherently, you can only focus on one thing. Ask Peter. You could only focus on Jesus or the storm. When you focus on Jesus, what did he do? He walked on top of the storm. When he focused on the storm, he was not focusing on Jesus, so he sank. The storm was there all along. You see what I said at the beginning? It's not about the circumstances. It's about our focus. And that's why when we give ourselves fully to the Lord and to the church, it helps us to focus. It cannot be both. He said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Verse 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he, he, what did he do? He opened the word. He opened the prophecy. He showed them Christ in the word. And they came, what? To uh, Verse 30 says, Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table. So he looks on. He wants to walk further. They invite him in. As it came, he sat at the table with them, took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. I know we've shared on this and we've had different people share on this. And this is an amazing passage. I want to share something new and fresh this morning with you. I believe this is a, the picture of discipleship. Demonstrated by Jesus. So first of all, it is walking with people. Doing life with people. Meeting the people where they're at. In their distress. In their depression. Where they are. Downtrodden. Secondly, it's sharing the gospel. So he wasn't concerned about the thing so much. That was more a conversation starter. But he very quickly went into the scripture and he showed them the gospel. He showed them Christ. So discipleship then is walking with people, sharing with people, doing life with them and teaching them the gospel. Then what did he do? He opened the scriptures. So it's not just sharing the gospel, but now it's deeper. It's showing the foundational truths of the word. People want to know where they are, how they got here and where they go. Everyone wants to do that. So you already have a conversation start. Why are we here? Where did we come from? Where are we going? That's the questions I have with people. My father the other day, I said, what if we die? I said, hey, you, you're living this live fast, die young. I can see that. And he's like, yes. I'm like, no, what if you die? Where do you go then? Usually they have a, a, a quick answer, not a good answer. But based on that answer, you take the conversation further. And you say, like, really? Do you really think nothing happens after this? Then it's pretty useless. So you can see how you can, you, can, you can go for that. So sharing the gospel, opening the scriptures. Now, the last one is eating, communing with people. Getting into their home. Getting into their personal space. Oh, but I've got personal space. And... Sorry. You want to grow in Christ, give up your personal space. That's humility. That's hospitality. And all these together then manifests Christ. It's not just the walking with. It's not just the sharing. It's not just the teaching. It's not just the eating. It's all of this together culminating and coming to this moment where they see, boom, this is Jesus and he's not dead. That's, that's the miracle. And what happens? If you believe that, then you're born again. And then Jesus disappears because his work is done. Because he knows the Spirit is going to be poured out and the Spirit will lead them, guide them, and help them mature. We're going to have to do this if we want to have a great year. All this leads to manifesting Jesus to a broken, dry, and needy world. 
I want to end where I started and say that God is not going to give you anything more this year. Change your prayer. Stop asking, stop pleading. He's not going to give you anything more. He's already given you everything. He's given you the fullness. He's given you Christ. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you full access to the heavens. He's given you full access to the throne room. Not just access, you actually live there. You and I don't go visit there. That's our mindset. We go visit the holies on Sunday. Oh, the worship was so amazing. I was in the throne room. Well, Friday morning when you woke up with a hangover, you were also in the throne room. Because it's unconditional. It's identity. When was the prodigal son not a son? He was always a son. You know what as well? The father never stopped becoming the father. That fatted calf didn't get fat in a day. He kept on feeding that calf. Kept on looking out. Kept on expecting. Surely goodness and mercy will hunt me down. Inviting the son back. But if the son wanted to do, he wanted to confess all his sins. All of them didn't even give him a chance. He said, I don't care. You're a son. This is your family. This is your home. This is your house. This is where you belong. You see, God doesn't have a confession booth in heaven. But I'm sure there's a dance floor. There's no confession booth in heaven. But there's a dance floor. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord rejoices over you with singing. He sings over you. He praises over you. He's given us everything. Mark 16 verse 15 from the voice translation says, Jesus, his words, go out into the world and share the good news with all of creation. Anyone who believes this good news is ceremonially washed and will be rescued. But anyone who does not believe, it will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. They will be able to cast out demons in my name, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, drink poison without being harmed, and lay their hands on the sick to heal them. Is that part of your dream for this year? Going out, sharing the gospel, healing people, walking over serpents and drinking poison if you have to, not because you need to. Don't go test God. That's not what the scripture says. Even Jesus said we don't test God. It speaks about circumstances. Speak about things that go contrary. It speaks about things that's not as you want or would have wanted it or not as you planned. But going over and above, not looking at the things, not looking at the circumstances, not looking at lockdowns and COVID and finances, but looking at Jesus, focusing on Him. That's the invitation. Because that is what is required to go into all the world and share the gospel. And it says, share it with all of creation, every creature. The New King James, I think, says. Because there's some creatures out there. I don't know if you've seen them. They're human, but they're creatures. And we want to share with everyone. We want to share the gospel, share the good news. And the, one of my favorite verses, and may this be true, may this be the prophecy for today. And it says in verse 16, uh, Mark 16, verse 20, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. There's an invitation put on the table to you today to make 2022 the best year ever. That's the invitation. Mark 16, go into all the world, 
I'll go with you, but you go. Verse 20 says they responded. They got up. They went. They shared. And we go read Acts. And we see the fulfillment, the walking out of that action. Getting up. Going. Sharing. Oh, but they'll kill me. So what? They're going to beat me. And? It's going to cost you something. Of course, it's going to cost you everything. But you're going to live with eternity in mind. And you're going to live above the circumstances of this world. You're going to live closer to God than you ever have before because you're going to need to if you're going to respond to this. The Holy Spirit is given not to comfort us just in our uh, bubble baths. That's what you have a bubble bath for. Holy Spirit is given to comfort you outside of your comfort zone. Maybe it's personal space for you. Maybe it's going out. Maybe it's saying yes. Maybe it's saying I'll do a life group. Maybe it's I'll join a life group. Maybe it's going to have coffee with someone and do a Bible study. Maybe it's going to serve on the dream team. Maybe I want to join worship. I don't know what that is. But make a decision to make this year your best year yet. By how? Giving yourself fully to God and to His church. That's my invitation to you. That's what I want to do. That's what Natasha and I have spoken about. We want to do it even more and more fully and, more, and, and go for it. It doesn't mean we don't work or we don't... It's not about all of that. It's a mindset. It's what comes first. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the gospel, the kingdom of God, and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And even if they're not added to you, who cares? Because it's not about things. It's about kingdom. It's about righteousness. Not the righteousness we can pertain to. Because the word says that the law of Moses, no man can be justified. But through the works of Jesus, we are now His righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God through Him. What more do we want? Honestly, what, what more do we want than that? To be right with God, irrespective of our actions for all eternity. You want to make 2022 your best year yet. Live from that place. Make that your starting block. Make that your foundation. You're not going to try and do things and give up things in order to impress God. You are impressing God already. Jesus is the one who helps you. And the Holy Spirit empowers you. And now we go and live the adventure. The word says, Abraham, by faith, adventured out. I love that. By faith, I've made decisions in life. And I could not dream about the adventure that I'm living. Not always easy. It's not always, it's not always hunky-dory. But it's an adventure. It's an adventure with God. And I so want for you to join us on that. Let's make this our best year yet. Let's make it God's way. And let's live according to His plans, His destinies. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.